With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Forward Progress here on the Hammer Betting Network. Rob Pizzola joined by Clive Bixby. For those that are new here, we are typically not live. This is the first live show that we are doing with Forward Forward Progress. Usually myself and Clive record this during the second half of Sunday Night Football, and we put it out on the airwaves on Monday mornings. But we said, hey, why not get some audience participation and get this as a live show? So we're going to test it out this week, see how it goes. As Sunday Night Football is going on right now, the Cowboys trying to mount a comeback as they trail the Eagles 20-10. Clive... How are things going? It's been not a bad day. It's been a pretty good day overall. Um, not, I think I, I mentioned in a tweet earlier to you that it wasn't a big week for me in terms of like volume, but overall it, it kind of went well. But I didn't have a ton of confidence in the bets I was making, to be honest. Yeah, I'll say I never really have a ton of confidence in the bets that I'm making in the NFL. Um, I mean, usually I dictate my success based off of market movement. And if I got good numbers, then I've done my job. But that didn't work out so well today. A uh, little bit of a frustrating day for me uh, overall as I uh, had some very, very good closing numbers that just, you know, sometimes it uh, it just works out that way. But it is what it is. And uh, as I like to say, onwards and upwards. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's, I mean, Thursday played Washington and I don't know that I was supposed to win that game, but that one turned the right way. And, you know, it's just the nature of the NFL, I think. Uh, appreciate those who are tuning in live. Uh, Scott's already saying that other than being an Eagles fan, I guess watching them blow the game, he's liking the live show in the second half. Uh, do appreciate that. You don't have to t- tune in live. Obviously, there's a House of Dragons big episode tonight or House of the Dragon or whatever. Um, there is the game. It's it's still fairly close going on right now. But for those who don't want to tune in live, obviously, you can catch this up on the hammer.bet Every Monday morning, you could subscribe to the Forward Progress channel on Apple Music or on Spotify, wherever you consume uh, your podcasts, and you can get this after the fact. All right, uh, let's start as we typically do. Anything today that, let's say anything that you felt strongly about going into this week that was solidified by today's games? Um so for me, it was going to be that the Packers were still not going to fix their offense at all. And that that kind of held true. Uh, and then the other, I would say, is that the Panthers were still not going to be able to muster much offense. They only scored three points offensively if they didn't have that pick, pick six. So those were the two things that I was relatively confident of. And then thirdly, which wasn't as surprising as I thought it would be, or I should say um, a lot of people, I think, thought this game, Buffalo-Kansas City, was going to be a huge scoring matchup. That didn't happen. Um, a few more turnovers, red zone turnovers too. So th- those were the three things that I really had kind of earmarked as what I thought might happen. Um, what about you? So funny enough, um, the, the this takeaway that, or like what I felt strongly about going into the week was 
Minnesota not being a legitimate contender. And I still actually feel that way, even though they won 24 to 17, because I feel like that was a very fraudulent win top to bottom. If you look at the Vikings, they had 11 first downs the entire game. They were outgained by Miami 6.3 yards per play to 4.7. They had a pretty low series conversion rate, 47.6. It was actually the second lowest of any team this week outside of Carolina. So I go in thinking Minnesota is not a great team and I still leave thinking the same thing, but I really have to, I kind of have to stick with these because if, if I go back to last week, Clive, when we did this and I review my three notes that I made from last week, Packers offense is a major problem. Confirmed. The, the Jaguars have fraud potential. Also true. I bet the Jags this week, but confirmed. Panthers are a toxic, unbettable team. Also true. And I bet them this week. Oh, God. Obviously, the numbers dictate my plays. So I have to, to say that. And, um, you know, the way Caroline ended up losing that game with Jacob Eason being in at the end and throwing an interception uh, in, in the red zone, essentially, I think it was from the five-yard line, is just annoying. It's just one of those games. But uh, those were the takeaways from last week or things that I felt strongly about, solidified by last week's games, still ended up betting on a couple of those teams and um, it is what it is. But I'm going to be looking for spots to fade Minnesota, numbers permitting, going forwards. Because I just, I mean, I feel like they've just lucked out in so many games. Like today with Miami, you were, you, you know, Skyler gets hurt early on in that game. You get the Teddy Bridgewater experience afterwards. You look at previous games for Minnesota. They played Detroit when Detroit was missing almost everyone, almost lost that game. They played the Saints in London with the Saints having a ton of offensive injuries in that game. Um, They've recently played the Bears who aren't very good. I just feel like the Vikings are, they really haven't been tested by anyone yet. And so much has gone in their favor in, in a lot of these games. Just, I mean, you can't blame them for that, obviously but it's making them look better than they actually are. Yeah, and I mean, they were they were a waddle fumble away from that maybe being a tying drive there. And that flips, you know, the entire game there. That was a huge swinging play that, you know, if they go in and score a touchdown, do I have a ton of confidence that Minnesota's going to march back down the field and score? Not really. And Minnesota was one of the bets that I made today. Um, but I... I to your point, I think they got a little bit of luck on their side. Yeah. More than um, a little bit. Signed collectibles says the Vikings will be a good regular season team. Then Kirk will have a bad playoff game. Kind of feel like that's probably the most likely end for the Vikings. Um, I could see them winning the division as a whole just based off of the fact that nobody else in the division is good. And that includes Green Bay. Um, although, I mean, we could see Minnesota still falter in the regular season. It's not like they're a team that's accustomed to winning. So you mentioned that the Jags are a fraudulent team. I think the NFC is a fraudulent conference. Like, who are you really feeling good about that is going to be consistent and dangerous other than the Eagles and potentially the Cowboys if their defense is healthy enough and Dak plays well? Is there anybody else really? No. right As of right now, no. That can change, obviously. But I would go a step further. And I mean, it depends on how we're defining fraudulent, right? Because that's it's a very loose term. But I'm feeling at this point, as dumb as it sounds, is like you might as well just it, it's football. They play the games. True. Chris Berman, you know, it's this is why they play the games. But it does feel like the Lombardi trophy is going to Buffalo this year, unless there's some sort of catastrophic, shocking outcome, Josh Allen injury, something like that. So like when I think of fraudulent, I think that just Buffalo is in a league of their own 
and pretty much the rest of the league is fraudulent. Yeah, they they mind. are that much of a step. They they deserve to be favorites against the second best team on the road by by three. They I really think that's the the case. And I looked as the looked at the Bengals as a fraudulent uh, AFC champion last year. I think you could see the same thing like that in the NFC, where you know when it comes to playoff time. I mean, we all have our numbers, right? But then it's going to feel like might as well throw darts. I think there's going to be a little bit of variance that comes into play. Yeah, um, it's challenging uh, for sure. Just to like we're now we're now six weeks into the season. We do have generally a good idea of what these teams are at this point, so we can react on a week to week basis. But and early on in the year, I mean, if if I was to go back and listen to us doing this in week two, week three, week four, so on and so forth, I'd probably be like, wow, did I really think that about certain teams? Because you're, you know, you're constantly changing your opinion of them because of these low samples and, you know, teams that they're playing against and so on and so forth. But now we're getting to the point where, okay, a lot of these teams have played six games, some five. We generally have a good idea of what these teams are. And everyone has a major, like, significant weakness except for Buffalo. And yeah, Buffalo's opinion. biggest weakness is, you know, the injuries that they've had to deal with in the secondary. I mean, that's the biggest. And, you know, I think they can still, they're still head and shoulders above everybody else. Yes. Um, and to your point, they survived that right. as well. Like, they're starting to get healthier and healthier. They still don't have Trey White back off the pup list. Really, it's just Micah Hyde that's going to sure. be out for the season, who's on IR. And um, and everyone else will come back at some point or has come back, including uh, for today's game. So we'll shift gears here. We are going to go from um, opinions that were solidified today to uh, some opinion changes. Uh, first, the Browns today. Uh, I thought they would have more success offensively. Uh, they did not. I mean, they at no point felt like they were really in this game. The Jets is another one. Um, we talked about the Jets last week, and I, I said I think if it got to seven and a half, I would bet them. I just for whatever reason I could pull the trigger today. That was that was the one bet that I didn't make that I regret. Um, those those are the two main ones for me. The Giants surprise me every week, but I still don't know what to how to grade them. Um, those those are my three, and the Falcons surprised me too. Okay, so for me, the biggest thing was. The Bucks offense. So I figured that this is the week that they're going to get it together, like big time. Because you look at the Steelers, they're missing four players in their secondary. Their top three cornerbacks and Minka Fitzpatrick, their best playmaker. And the Bucks offense had pretty been pretty bad for the majority of this year. And then they finally get a team that really works. You know, fr- from like a a matchup perspective, personnel perspective, they should be able to destroy this team frankly. And they had a brutal offensive game. Another week where the offense is just stuck in the mud, four of 14 on third downs. They averaged four and a half yards per play overall. Um, Series conversion rate, 69%. EPA, barely above average. I don't think that they're going to figure this out. So here's a question, right? Like with that team, why are you starting almost half of your drives with a rush? Like they have not had any success running the ball at all. Why do they continue to try and force that issue? That's the one thing that I don't understand. I, I understand Todd Bowles is a defensive minded coach, uh, but that's not how to optimize that offense, in my opinion. I agree. So we have a comment here that says Leftwich deserves to be fired. I wholeheartedly agree with Leftwich deserving to be fired. Because at this point, there's no excuse for it. I mean, you have to play the matchups. Now, how much of it is on Leftwich versus Todd Bowles? 
putting together the game plan and saying like, we want to be a team that runs the ball because I will tell you, having watched every single Bucks game so far this year, because I do watch a lot of games on Monday um, as well in full. There's an interview with Bulls in almost every game or his post-game presser where he talks about how they need to be better at running the ball. He has like this commitment to being better at running the ball. And at what point do you just realize it is not working? They had 22 runs on first and second down today. They were negative 0.19 EPA per play. They cannot run the ball. It's brutal. I Somebody says, bring back Bruce Arians. I long for the days of Bruce Arians you know, and, and those offensive weapons because it wouldn't happen under him. Um, and it's, it's just frustrating to watch. And, and like, I guess this is another, I can segue this into another team because my opinion of Cincinnati's offense is changing as well because they stunk and they're getting better. And the reason I think that they're getting better is they're starting to identify this is not working. We need to do something differently. And as much as I rag on Zach Taylor, sometimes the Bengals today ran 52 of their 54 offensive snaps out of shotgun. The only times they didn't were, I believe, a quarterback sneak and a kneel play. So they're identifying there's no sense in getting Burrow to drop back. They're getting instantaneous pressure on him. Have him in the gun, throw it out of the gun, and let's run it out of the gun as well so that you know these plays can actually develop. And that's like an example of good coaching, in my opinion. It's just like we've, spent, we've done the same thing three or four weeks. It's not working. Let's evolve this. And they did something different. The Bucks are doing nothing different. They run the same thing over and over. And it's supremely frustrating to watch as a fan. Now, I'm not saying that they can't change that at some point. And I shouldn't say as a fan, as a better, let me say as a better of that team. Um, but it's annoying. And uh, I, I, I'm i starting to think that they are just not going to get it together. I, I don't know what's going to change in his philosophy now. Somebody's got to get through to him. And, you know, as a better, I think one of the things that we have to try and predict we we have our numbers or statistics and the things that we look at, and that's the basis of everything. But you also want to try and understand, all right, is this team going to make some adjustments? What are they going to do that's different? And when you looked at the Bengals today, I think you and I might have had this conversation. If it wasn't me and you, it was somebody else. But Joe Mixon running the ball in first down consistently and, and really just leaving yourselves in second and unmanageable. Today, they started 22 out of their 25 series with a pass. That That's a solid adjustment. That's learning and, you know, saying, all right, this isn't working. Let's move on. And it's hard to know who's going to do what. Take the Giants, too. I mean, like, we, we talk about them as not being good. Um, and, and Daniel Jones might not be a franchise quarterback, but Dable has been able to maximize his strengths the same way that he was able to with Josh Allen. I'm not comparing the two and saying the two are on the same level, but taking that same mindset and applying that to Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, that's what good coaches do. They maximize the talent that they have. I agree. Um, I, I just, I, there's, there's so many coaches nowadays that are just way too rigid in my opinion. And we're seeing that, especially this year, uh, the Rams would be one of them as well, where it's just like, okay. And now granted they have a horrible O-line, but how often, like, you know, do have some new wrinkles in the offense on a weekly basis. Like how often are you going to run the exact same thing? So, um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of teams in the league and this is, this is a s systemic problem across the league right now that are struggling on offense. Um, 
Some of it is red zone. Some of it is just general consistency. Um, it's extremely challenging, but you know, you, you look at like, this is a great question here, right? From, from DS, how much blame should Matt LaFleur receive? Is it him or the person putting together the roster that deserves more blame? And I always find this challenging, but for me, the coach, in my opinion, has like two main responsibilities, which is get the team motivated to play on a weekly basis. Make sure that your team shows up, is prepared, and they are 100% like they're giving it their all on the field, as cliche as it sounds. And the second thing is don't make any catastrophic mistakes in game that are going to cost your team win expectancy. Make good decisions and you know do things that don't kill your team overall. Then I think you're trusting your coordinators to put together game plans, right? Your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator. I'm sure a lot of coaches have come from other coordinator positions and they have opinions on this as well. So like a Todd Bowles is a is a DC. He probably has an opinion on the way a defense should be run. Um, and, and there are certain coaches who are OCs that have opinions on the way the offense should be run. But ultimately... I do think that when you get into like a situation like Green Bay, a lot of it is just to do with scheming. Some of it is personnel, but Adam Stanett, I always mispronounce his last name. I'm not even going to attempt it anymore. It's even an easy one too. Stenovich, maybe. I say Stenanovich all the time. Stenovich. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to do something differently. You have to try to stretch the field. You, you know, you can't just keep throwing underneath at down after down after down. You have to make the defense respect you over the top and... I think so many coaches or like so many coordinators are just out to lunch right now. And this is not me saying I can do better. I'm just saying that from a, from a football fan perspective, I notice the same things on a weekly basis. Other teams are watching these tapes. I'm sure they notice the exact same things and are game planning for them as well. It's painful not to watch a coach or a team learn and adjust. Uh, it's just an absolute nightmare, especially when you think that they're leaving points on the table and then ultimately you and I are leaving money on the table when we decide to bet on them. Um, you know, there are some of these head coaches out there that just are better as coordinators and just should just stay in those roles. Like gr- great coordinators don't necessarily make great coaches. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Agree with you. All right. Um, anything else this week? I guess the last thing that really stood out to me today was, holy geez, Arizona's offense is bad. Like now, granted, a lot of their a lot of their struggles just came on fourth down um, or like or late downs, I should say overall, because they tended like they were okay moving the ball. It's not like you look at their numbers. I mean, they are pretty bad as I look at them. I will I will revise everything that I've just said because they were four of sixteen on third down, one and five on fourth down. So. 5 of 21 on late downs. Their success rate as an offense was 32. Their success rate, I repeat, was 32% against the Seahawks defense. And they lost Hollywood Brown at the end of the game, which looks like maybe a multiple week injury, but they're going to get DeAndre Hopkins back next week. And the thing about Arizona, which is going to be fascinating to me, is Kyler Murray has extreme splits when DeAndre Hopkins is playing versus when he's not. But I don't know that they're just going to be able to to get out of whatever they're in right now because you, you can't move the ball on Seattle. You might as well, you know, you can't move it on anyone. Well, that's the thing. And there, I saw a lot of people, you know, calling for Cliff's head today because of the fourth down decisions. I mean, you're ma- you're also making these fourth down decisions against one of the, you know, the worst, the bottom three defenses in the league. 
Um, when I looked at the yardage earlier, it was probably late third quarter. They were just about equal, and they just they couldn't they couldn't do anything. They can't move the ball. I mean, AJ Green's washed. I, if anybody didn't know that already, you know, just throw that out there. Um, so I I do think Murray needs a go to weapon. I think he's always had a a crutch to kind of lean on, um, and hopefully Hopkins will be that and open up some things for them. But I'm not gonna. It's going to be hard to upgrade them significantly given that they couldn't move the ball as is against Seattle. Agreed. And we're going to see them in short notice here on um, Thursday Night Football, which we will talk about. Um, For those who are tuning in and and still watching the uh, Eagles-Cowboys Sunday Night Football game, it has turned into a game. 20-17, to Eagles are now in the red zone, first and goal, actually. So um, we will. I'll try to give my thoughts on this when it goes final, and I am keeping an eye on it in the background. All right, we're going to switch gears here and uh, we're going to talk a little bit of overreactions. Um, I know what I think people are going to overreact to quite a bit. Um, honestly, we can probably go through every single game and someone's going to have some sort of overreaction to something. Um, for me, San Fran losing outright to Atlanta, there's going to be a lot of talk about San Fran not being a real contender anymore. At least I feel that way. And I want to caution people on San Fran. I think they will probably continue to look bad for a few weeks here, but they have so many injuries on defense, like an absurd amount. And they lost Traverius Ward today on top of it. Uh, I mean, that this is going to be challenging for San Fran to get it together. People are accustomed to them being like this bona fide number one, you know, huge, amazing defense. It ain't going to happen for a few more weeks. But when that roster is at full strength, I think that they can win the NFC. Yes, they can. Um, I could not make a play on this game. I was really, really tempted to bet the over. I couldn't do it. Um, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel good about it. Um, but what I will say is that for the 49ers, with all of those injuries, that's their whole identity. But they also only put up 14 against Atlanta today. And I know Atlanta's defense has been steadily improving, and it's not what it was the first few weeks. That's still not a great showing either. So it's not. It's going to be hard to grade the 49ers the next few weeks for sure. I agree. For me. Um, I think like you know, a lot of this is going to get pinned on Jimmy G per usual. You only score 14 points against Atlanta. That's not a great showing. So I'm not saying he's not at fault. He's not really the quarterback that is going to lead you from behind in these types of games, right? And we saw that. I saw it in the most frustrating way imaginable as someone who bet the over 43 and a half, 42 points with about eight minutes to go in the third quarter. Ray Ray McLeod drops a wide open touchdown, essentially a bomb over the middle of the field. Garoppolo puts it right on him, goes right through his hands. Um, And, you know, it is what it is. It's done. Then they go on a drive to end the game. And this is the 49ers offense, right? They're down two touchdowns. It takes them nine minutes or eight minutes to go the length of the field, and they still don't even score. So uh, I get it. But at full health, late in the year, I still think San Fran, if they're in the mix, like it's very similar to last year, right? You didn't want to play San Fran in the playoffs. I'm a Cowboys fan. We got that. We got San Fran first round. You know, they, they were this close to going to the Super Bowl. They were a muff punt away from going to the Super Bowl last year. And I still think that they're that same team, if not better. Yeah, they could be dangerous for sure. They could be very, very, very dangerous. Um, yeah, I could see that as an overreaction. I mean, go down the list. What's next? The Patriots? Ba- Bailey Zappi being the next Tom Brady? Yeah. So here's the thing, right? That's going to be discussed because it always is. with any. It's going to be with every Patriots quarterback till the end of time. But I kind of think Bailey Zappi is good. Like, I, I'm not sure he's much worse or worse than Mac Jones. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. 
Um, so of the, uh, this is a game I actually really want to rewatch. And this is one that I'll rewatch and prioritize tomorrow because of what I watched of it, what I saw, he did pretty well at picking apart like the soft zones and, and making good decisions. And he, he played pretty well. What he will do against a defense that is, you know, imposing that I don't know yet. That's hard to ask or hard to answer without seeing something like that. But he did what he was asked today and more. Yes. So I agree with you. And I, I understand the quality of competition he's faced. And you definitely have to take that into account. I also want to watch this one in full because I, I'm looking at I'm looking at box score metrics here. And New England ran the ball 27 times. And they only had a 26% success rate against the Browns defense, which gives up a ton of rushing yardage. So I'm wondering here whether or not Cleveland just stacked the box and like allowed Zappy to throw the ball in this game. I don't know. I didn't watch enough of it. Uh, I did cash a late total on here, thankfully, which, you know, saved me from misery today. Um, least deserving win of the day and it somehow wins, but 6.1 yards per play offensively, 0.2 EPA per play, 71% series conversion rate, pretty strong numbers for the Patriots offense. So I don't know if it's going to be an overreaction. Um, will Mac Jones play next week? I think when Mac Jones is fully healthy, he's going to come back in personally. Um, I don't know what you think, what you think Clive, but I think just because Belichick is like, he strikes me as a loyal guy, like a guy who's going to go back to the, the certain thing. Although he didn't do that with Brady and Bledsoe back in the day. So maybe I'm wrong about that. So here's what I would say. Who are they playing next? Let's see. They're playing the Bears at home. I don't know that he would rush Mac Jones back given what he's gotten from Bailey so far. So that's how I look at it. And maybe he brings him back. Let's see for the next week against the Jets on the road. I could see that happening. The Halloween weekend, or I guess it's not Halloween. Ten thirty is not Halloween. Yeah, I agree. That's the Monday night football game, right? Patriots Bears next yeah. week. Why are the Bears getting primetime games? This is somebody who grew up a Bears fan. Like, can we knock it off? I understand the Bears market and like the Steelers market, and there's people that are going to watch these games no matter what because there's huge fan bases. But it still bothers me. Like, it still drives me crazy because I will watch this game. I'm miserable, and I like I'm going to watch this game. It's it just it drives me nuts that they give these teams the primetime games. Um, what else will people overreact to? So the the one main box score metric that stands out to me today, the Giants had three point eight yards per play on offense. I'm actually going to double check that this is correct because it's so you know, it's so low that I'm at I might have inputted it into my spreadsheet or it might have been like an error in some sort of data poll or something like that. But from what I can tell, the Ravens had seven yards per play of offense uh, and the Giants had 3.8. And that is, in fact, correct. The Giants won this game with 238 total net yards. Turnovers. So, yeah. Key turnovers. Yep. Yep. I mean, they, they only won the turnover margin by one, but it was a key turnover late in the game. And it was just like, I guess, Baltimore doing what they have, what they do now and just not being able to, to close out games again. I got to watch a pretty good chunk of this game, and they had no business losing this game. Another one. This is another game that they had no business losing. Very similar to Miami. Miami, they didn't lose because of turnovers as much, but same type of feel where like two-thirds of the game, they're just dominating and rolling, and you're like, all right, this game's over. I can go look at something else and follow something different. Nope. And Justin Tucker missed the, missed the field goal. I don't know if anybody he did, saw that. He did, but that was a long one. I actually... 
So I actually joked because I lost a survivor entry on the Ravens today. And I actually joked that this will be the game that Tucker actually misses a field goal beforehand. And naturally, he actually missed a field goal. Um, it happens. What's your outlook on the Ravens for the Super Bowl? Do the Ravens have a shot? I that one of the few futures I bet at plus 2000. So I, I look at them as exactly the same. Um I don't think they deserve to be priced any better, and I still don't think they deserve to be priced any worse. I was hoping to see more out of their defense this year, which is why I played them. I thought their offense would be what they have been, but their defense has just been so, so, so shoddy. I agree. I like I I, I classify them as a fringe contender. Um, I'm not sure that they're better than the Bengals. After watching Ravens-Bengals while we were recording last week, I think the Bengals... That game could have gone either way. I think those teams are very close to being even with one another. Uh, I know that the the betting market would probably disagree with me there. Uh, obviously, with the way that the line closed last week at three, the way that teams were priced this week, I think Baltimore is considered better on a neutral than Cincinnati. I'm not sure I buy it. Um, I just think that there is like, I think you have Buffalo. I think you have a, a gap. Then you have KC. Then you have a gap. And then you have a bunch of teams, all who could maybe catch lightning in a bottle like the Bengals did last year, but probably won't. Yeah, so my tier one is definitely... Buffalo by a sizable margin, and then maybe a 2A and a 2B where it's the Chiefs, and then 2B is just slightly below the Eagles, and then in that Tier 3 range, it's it's a lot of teams. Like There's just nobody in there that's, that's kind of standout that I would feel good about. They're all just majorly flawed. Um, 49ers would probably be at the top of it if they were healthy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, but yep. I not. agree with you. All right. Um, that's it. That stood out to me. Anything else that you think? Jets? Do you think there's going to be an overreaction to the Jets? Like, like my question is, so the Giants, the Giants are five and one, definitely the average football fan, all the casuals, even, even sophisticated, like betters, nobody thinks the Giants are good. Do, do people think the Jets are good is my question. No, but I do think the Jets could be, I think they have the potential to be this year's Lions where they're six to eight to nine point underdogs consistently, like in that little window and they just cover a lot. Yeah. I think that's entirely possible. I don't know what to make of the Jets yet. They're they're one of the few teams that I I have no idea. Um, I like what they've done with Brees Hall. Like that's, I mean, he's been playing phenomenal. Brees Hall is great. Yes. He he's every once in a while. I'm in like, I'm in, um, I don't don't actually want to say this out loud, but I'll say it out loud. I am in the camp of running backs actually do matter, but only a select few of them. So like, there's a lot of people are like, oh, they just dismissed this running back as like, oh, if he was out, he's not worth anything to the spread or whatever. And I don't agree with that. I think there's actually specific running backs that are worth something when they are not in the lineup, especially with the downgrade is to the second running back. Um, Brees Hall, small sample size guy looks amazing. Like he looks like he could be the best running back in the league. It's, it's been impressive so far. Um, they utilize Barrios sparingly, but when they do, they manage to get good plays out of him too offensively. So they have a little bit of creativity. Um, I, I was never a huge Michael Carter fan. I don't know if there were people that were Michael Carter fans, but either way, I mean, like, you, you could see the frequency of workload shift significantly as it should. Um, the problem with the Jets is they can't pass the ball. Right? Yeah, and I can't. I don't know how to grade their defense um, because I think the Packers are, are terrible. And, you know, who else have they played? Cleveland? I don't remember off the top of my head half this stuff. I don't know how people do. The, the Jets played um, Green Bay, Miami, Pittsburgh, Cincy, Cleveland, Baltimore. So they played basically all... 
I'm, that's a weird scheduling quirk. They play the entire AFC North the first four weeks of the season. Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincy, Pittsburgh. Unusual. Yeah, and I mean, other than week one where they got kind of blown out 24-7, but that we talked about that. That wasn't as indicative of the game, really, if I'm remembering that one right. So maybe their defense is what's uh, underrated, but I, this is one that I have to kind of watch too. Yeah. I mean, they had they went one of 11 on third downs today, did the Jets. Um, 27% success rate on pass attempts. I don't, I, I don't think you're just like, you can't win like that in the NFL. I, you can, I mean, maybe you can nowadays again because scoring is down where you can win with a running game and defense. The Giants are doing it basically. Um, so maybe you can, like, I just don't think you can win at all with that. Like they might, they might be able to mount a good mustard, put up together a good regular season, but, uh, I, I don't know. To win like that, your defense has to be dominant and be able to turn the ball over. Uh, like think Ravens early 2000s and the Bears defenses with like Erlacher and Lance Briggs, like those types of defenses that turn offenses over and turn it into points. So that's the Jets aren't that. And I don't think there's any defense in the league right now that's like that. Mm, no, I don't think so. San Fran when healthy, I would maybe consider it yeah. realm when fully healthy, if they had their full personnel. All right, that's it for week six recap. We do have one more week six game to go. Are you as excited about me as seeing another Broncos game in prime time? No, but at least I bet an under in this game so that at least when it's terrible. Oh, <laughs> we, we, we're we together. We have the same play on this game. I But I have like market resistance uh, on this because like I'm trying to see. Yeah, I'm going to see what number I, I bet. I don't think it was good. Uh, I got some under 46 minus 110 and then some under 45 and a half minus 108. Let me check Betstamp. I'm not plugging Betstamp necessarily, but that is how I track all the stuff. I got under 46 and a half minus 112. And it's no problem to plug that stamp as I will do right now. Um, if you do want to track your bets, it's a great tracking tool. You should do it. Uh, Betstamp.app for desktop version or download Betstamp on your mobile device. Uh, Android or iOS. Uh, I played the under as well. Part of the reason why is that Russell Wilson can't throw downfield. So like it just shortens the field. I think like the Broncos could potentially drive the ball and have some success running the ball, but they don't have the big play threat right now. And a few times where Wilson did try to air it out against the Colts last week, he came nowhere close on those throws. Like he's obviously has the, sh- the shoulder injury has been publicly reported now. Um, where he's got like a lat strain or whatever. Until I can see him throw down the field, I just think that you're going to be getting like a lot of underneath stuff, clock ticking. Broncos defense can hold them in the game. I I, I thought this was going to go down. I honestly am surprised it didn't. Uh, same. I thought it would close at 44 and a half. That's where I had it, but it, it hasn't. And even with, it, it may, I hope I didn't misread this. Um, Keenan Allen definitely out now, right? Like that was confirmed inactive so i thought we'd at least get a half a point there and we haven't so surprising yep um yeah it didn't move after that i I, you know what i'm surprised too because i don't think it was expected that he was going to be out either i thought there was like a decent chance that he was going to be playing this week but um i don't really have a strong opinion on the side i think the number's kind of right it's sort of settled at four and a half right now um, total 45 and a half, depending on where you're looking. Uh, but yeah, I'm on the under with you. So, uh, I would probably, I mean, there's not really much room to play this, but it, I, I'm, I came in just around 44 with my total. I don't see any 46s out there right now either. So it's kind of tough. 
I, I wouldn't make a play of 45 and a half, not, not given the way the market resistance is. That's been. the challenge, right? Because it was one of the first bets I made this week. And uh, yeah, I'm used to the totals I bet moving a lot. Like the other totals I bet this week, San Fran over, Atlanta over, losers, but they moved a ton. Like I bet those at 43 and a half and they closed like 46 and 46 and a half. So um, under it is for me as well. Maybe I won't watch the game. I have to watch the game. What am I talking about? I'm doing prime time with Eric Eager tomorrow night. I have to watch it. That's going to be a brutal one uh, to have to sit through, uh, sweating the under. Hate sweating those unders. You might want to call out sick for next Monday's game then. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. It's the Patri- Patriots and Bears. Well, you know what? Kanish and Andrew Walker had to do the Bears Commanders Thursday night. They had to do the the Colts Broncos Thursday night, a couple weeks ago. So they've had to stick it out uh, for some pretty bad games. I will be a team player and stick it out for that. But for those betting Monday night football, we do strongly lean to the under, but we will do what we do at the end of every show going forwards. And we are going to look ahead to week seven in the NFL. For those that don't know, I'm not looking at any lines that have opened up yet in the NFL. I don't want to do that. It's just going to drive me crazy if I actually do do that. Um, because of the nature of my betting. Clive, anything that you've seen so far or have you been able to mostly avoid lines? I saw Arizona Saints um, earlier, just the the side. I didn't see the total. Um, and I don't know if it's, it's still true, but that's the only one I've seen. Fair enough. So we'll start there, which is the Thursday night football game, Arizona and the Saints. Uh, Arizona is going to get DeAndre Hopkins back. They lost Marquise Brown today, probably will not will miss Friday. I think Justin Pugh, one of their offensive linemen, left today's game as well. Rodney Hudson did not play for them. The Saints, we're going to have no idea again, right? Like Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landy, Landry, Chris Olave, all out today. Marshawn Lattimore was out today. They lost Adam Troutman, their starting tight end in the game. Uh, going to be challenging to place a or to put a number on this game. I'm going to say it's going to open Arizona as a small favorite. So I'll say Arizona minus one and a total of 44 would be my guess. So keep in mind, I haven't seen the total part yet. And I don't know what to make of this. I mean, I I couldn't be tempted to play the over when it was 51, like earlier in the week for Seattle, Arizona at all. I had no, no interest whatsoever, knowing even how bad both of these defenses can be. Um but the Saints defensively have not been great either. The Saints, though, here's the thing with the Saints. The Saints have been killed on turnovers this year. They're a very good team. They were act- going into this week. They were number one in net success rate in the NFL. So they're moving the ball and they're preventing opponents from putting together like consistent drives. But they got killed by turnovers at the beginning of the year with Jameis. Now, Dalton hasn't been bad in that regard. But I feel like this is going to open Arizona small favorite. I feel like the sharper money is likely to come in on the Saints in this game. But the average recreational better will take Arizona in this spot with DeAndre Hopkins coming back. That's how I feel it's going to go down. Yeah, no, I, 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 that's why I was thinking the over might be a touch higher. Um, I, I was thinking 45. I know it's not the hugest deal in the world, but um, I can get behind 44 too. It's, it's, it's so hard to tell. Like Arizona's just been so bad. Uh, and they're not moving the ball. Seattle only put up 19 today. Eh, it's just it's another game I don't want to watch. I will say New Orleans has played three high-scoring games in a row. They've sneakily been much better offensively with Andy Dalton, even with the lack of weapons 
that they've had as well. Um, like considering all the injuries, they've played three games in a row now that have been 53 points or higher. So maybe I'm maybe I'm a little bit low. Maybe I'm coming in low here, and maybe your 45 is closer uh, to right. Um, good point here from Randy. Dennis Allen said he wouldn't announce a starting QB for Thursday as well. That'll be fun to deal to navigate through this week. Um, all right, I, I I think we're good there. Um, I'll come back to Detroit Dallas because the Cowboys Eagles game is still going on right now. Um, basically, a lot of people invested in a backdoor cover here uh, potentially. So we'll come back to that. Giants going to Jacksonville to take on the Jags. So we talked about the Jags being fraudulent, right? But there's not a lot of uh, investor confidence in the Giants either. Uh, how does the market view them? Probably relatively similar, but the market still might have Jacksonville on top by a half a point or so. I'd maybe say Jacksonville minus two, maybe two and a half, actually. I would bet Jacksonville minus two, uh, I think. Um Man, the Giants, I don't know how people really like are actually going to perceive the Giants. I really don't know. But they just beat Baltimore. Jacksonville lost to Indy, who everybody thinks is a complete disaster. Um, And I don't know. I'm going to say higher. I'm going to say higher. Uh, I'm going to say Jags minus two and a half, minus 20. Yeah, because I I don't think it could open minus... I guess it could open minus three, but maybe that's minus 100 or something. I could see it. Uh, I wouldn't do it, but... I mean, the Giants' defense has been relatively solid, but they also haven't played a lot of juggernaut offenses either. Not that Jacksonville's a juggernaut either. So, um, well, my question we, is this: can, can like, will the Jags' defense make the Giants' offense look good? Because the Jags' offense was not a problem today. Like statistically speaking, the Jags moved the ball pretty well. Their EPA was good. They had a fifty-eight percent success rate offensively. The Giants, on the other hand, 3.8 yards per play. Now, their success rate numbers and their EPA was a little bit higher. All of that EPA came from late downs. They were 7 of 14 on third down, basically. Um, I, I, I find these t- both of these teams incredibly challenging to, to put a number on, personally. I'm finding it also incredibly difficult to come up with what I think the total will be for this game. Um, because like the, I mean, the Giants are pretty consistently coming in the same final score areas on a regular basis. Jacksonville is all over the place. Like Jacksonville's played two extremely low scoring games. One was week two against the Colts, 24 nothing. And one was last week against the Texans. Then they played a shootout today, essentially. I don't. I don't know where the Jags stand in terms of efficiency numbers on uh, on a total here. I'd probably say that maybe this one opens at forty five. That that would be my guess, and I think it would maybe get back down to forty four and a half or forty four. Games in Jacksonville, um, obviously, weather could always play a factor if, if it's heavy rain. I'm a little bit lower, probably on the Giants' offense overall, and because they run the ball so much. So I'll I'll say that I think it's forty three and a half. I don't. I think it's more likely to go down than up if it if it were in that spot. Yeah, I I, I do think it'll get bet low and end up in that area. I'm just wondering what it's going to open at. I might be overestimating yeah. what the market really does think of both of these teams offensively. Yeah, I agree. Um, very challenging game overall for me, and I have honestly almost no confidence in in anything that I just said in terms of predictions. Next game, I feel like I have a lot more confidence in uh, Colts. At Titans, I think there's only one range where this can open, and that's Titans' small favorite because Titans are coming off a bye here, so they're going to be 
that's probably going to be priced in like about a half point or so. I don't think the market sees a ton of difference between Indy and Tennessee, like at all, really. So I'm going to say Titans minus two and a total in the low 40s, like a 41 and a half. Yeah, so Titans minus two. I would, I could see that. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I'm trying to think which way. I don't think this gets bet towards the Titans, do you? Like even at minus two, like doesn't it just... So I, I will say this, as someone who was on the Jags today and lost, there was heavy two-way action on that game. Like I knew a lot of people who agreed with me on Jags. I knew a lot of people who were on Colts. I think that the Colts create like a huge dilemma for people right now, because if you have priors on Indianapolis... You think that they're a very good team that's underperforming. And if you get off your priors quicker, you probably think that the Colts stink. And I mean, I don't know one way or another, but the Titans to me are the complete opposite in that you went into the year with Tennessee and everyone was down on them, right? They lose AJ Brown. He goes to Philadelphia. Defense is not the same. They lose Harold Landry, torn ACL in, in you know preseason or training camp. And their like metrics are sneaky good right now. And if you actually remove the game against Buffalo, which I can excuse them for getting blown out in Buffalo, their metrics look even better, both from a success rate and EPA standpoint. So I don't actually know which way this one is going to go. I don't think like I don't think it gets to three at any point or else you see immediate buyback on the Colts. I don't think it gets to Colts favored. Like I think it just naturally has to hang out in the range that it opens at. Yeah, and, and I guess that's kind of what I was was getting at. That I think it's probably a little bit more likely if it opened at two. I think it's a little more likely that it would end at one or one and a half than I think it would go to two and a half. Yeah, but I don't have. Yeah, I do, maybe I do not. I thought I had a good feel for the Titans last year. I clearly did not. Um, if you look at my betting history on the Titans, um, but this year, like you said, they're kind of going in the opposite direction where. Their perception is low, and they are overperforming that perception. So, um, yeah, I'm good with minus two for sure. And then I think given that Jacksonville Indy closed at 41.5, I think 41.5 is probably a really good starting point. Yep. Um, this is the second game now for the Colts where they're playing. like So they've already played Jacksonville twice in the first six weeks, and now they're going to be playing Tennessee for a second time in the first seven weeks. We already have a game where Tennessee did go to Indianapolis and they won 24 to 17 as an underdog. They were up 24 to three early in that game. They did nothing in the second half. After Traylon Burks got hurt in that game, it was just one way Colts moving the ball. I remember I bet Tennessee plus three and a half in that game. So it would be quite an adjustment, but you have to factor in the bye week. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it just... I feel like it's there's going to be a lot of people with differing opinions on this game, and there's only one range where the spread and the total can be. Like that's that's really it. Yeah, and I I really would not be shocked if even at forty one and a half, if it opens at forty one and a half, I would not be shocked if it goes down all the way to like forty. Right. Um. Just curious, and I, I, you know how much stock I put into the advanced lines. I'm just interested to see what the advanced line was in the game. Uh, it was Titans minus one and a half and forty two. All right. Falcons at the Bengals. Hmm. This is tough. High total. Um, when you say high, high for this day and age or or high, high? High for this day and age. And this is just a complete initial thought. I'm thinking like 46 and a half. And that's just my initial thought, like not looking at anything, not look, not even looking at this week prior. Just that's what's popping into my head. And then for a side, I, the market still likes the Bengals, but are they going to upgrade the Falcons enough Maybe it opens at Cleveland minus four and a half. 
sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. Cincy, uh, you just you said Cleveland. It's fine. Um, four and a half. That's my initial guess. I think it's going to be higher than that. Um, I'm thinking like we're way off. Me and you are very different on this game. Although maybe the Atlanta upsetting the 49ers does have some sort of impact, but I'm expecting like a seven. Ooh. Hmm. The Bengals offense got back on track last week, and I think people are going to talk themselves into this is the Bengals offense now. Despite the fact that they had played a lot of lows, it might be their offense now, by the way. I'm not suggesting that it, it might not, you know, that it isn't. But um, if we look at the Bengals games this season, their median final score has been 40 and a half points in the games that they've played. They've played a lot of low scoring games overall. Um Whereas Atlanta, Atlanta started out with all these high-scoring games and they've settled into low-scoring games as well. Uh, I think your total is very close to, to being right. Um, you said 46 and a half. That it would open it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say that I'm in the same range. Although I do think it might draw money on the under. Yeah, I can see that. Um, because the Falcons had the best case scenario in terms of all the 49ers defensive players being out today. And it made their offense look better than I think it is overall. Yeah, and... I- Maybe I'm just still pretty low on the Bengals as a whole. Uh, I mean, where do you, if the Bengals are three points on the road, favored to the Saints, even with all these injuries, Saints and Falcons are probably, current state with the injuries, Saints and Falcons are probably pretty close. So I would say that the the market, and again, this is not my personal opinion. I'm just saying based off of where the spreads have been for a couple of weeks, I'd say the betting market thinks the Saints are roughly one and a half to two points better than the Falcons. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think if it, at seven, the Falcons are probably going to get money. Um, and I think it bet, gets bet down to six, six and a half. Maybe it does settle. Where do I think it'll end up? I wouldn't be shocked if this ended up between five and five and a half. And to me, that's kind of a little bit of a dead zone. Like I, I not too much really matters in there. Um, so maybe I'm, I'm wrong in the opener. I think that's where it'll end up though. One thing to point out in regards to this spread and maybe why you might see a shortened number is that the Falcons are 6-0 and against the spread this year. Everybody who's bet them has won every single time they've bet them. Because of that, there is some sort of like, there's this mechanism in your brain that's like, this team has not burned me and they've done good for me. And I'm going to continue to bet them until they don't. Uh, do good for me anymore. Trends. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, that doesn't happen with the Sharp community. And, and like, typically speaking, someone who's moving numbers on games is not going to have that that mentality. But you might see a lot of support for the Falcons because of that. We have a lot of people talking about this game in the chat. I'm hoping to find Cincinnati at a discounted rate later in the week. What are my prospects? Well, like, it's challenging because the Falcons got one way betting action this week. That number went from six down to, th- it went to three and a half this morning. And no one bought back on the 49ers. How much of that was the 49ers injuries versus support for the Falcons? I don't know. Um, Someone says at five, since he takes tons of money, possibly. I'm going to settle on minus seven, 46. And it's definitely not going towards Cincy at that number. No. Um, I'm going to amend mine to to five and a half. Not because somebody said that since they're going to get money. I think four and a half is just a little too light for what it'll open at. Um, and, and then maybe it does close like since he's six or it stays around five and a half. It really, really tough game. And I just don't know how the market's going to be the Falcons. Like when, sure. when do they upgrade them enough? Because they clearly haven't until this week, every week. Well, yeah, but even that you based off the final, you could argue that they still weren't upgraded enough this week. Yeah. 
and even the way that the game went because Atlanta played a good game. It's not like they got lucky and they, you know, they eked out some sort of, of tight win. The Atlanta Falcons played a good game today. They, a lot of it was attributed to third downs. They went nine of 14 on third downs. Um, they ran the ball a ton again, 39 runs, 19 passes, but it worked. And they had a very good series conversion rate today, 78%. Mariota's played well. Yeah, better than people would give him credit for, for sure. And the Kyle Pitts comes back today, scores a touchdown. Yep, they finally, finally throw to him. Um, Ravens hosting the Cleveland Browns. Man, the Browns have fallen off a cliff. There's got to be an adjustment on this team, I would say. Yeah, I, I was honestly surprised. I thought that, I think we said on Forward Progress last week that Cleveland would open two and a half. I thought it would get to a full three and I thought it would close there. It didn't. Um, the Patriots actually still bringing in money even as of this morning. I don't think anybody really thinks that highly of the Browns anymore either. I mean, so this game is at Baltimore. Baltimore probably stays in the same range, like in terms of, uh, like, I don't think they get downgraded for this game against the Giants all that much. I think that was just kind of a function of turnovers. Right. But I will say that Baltimore has now been in a spot where they've blown a lot. Like they're, they're not a team that people view as a team that's going to win by margin. When, when I say that, it's not what like your initial number is on the game, but like I would always be hesitant betting Baltimore going forwards because of their inability to close games. Yeah. So this game is going to be we know it's not a this is not like a, a, a classic Baltimore Pittsburgh game back in the day where it's always minus three whoever's playing at home type of thing right like you're going to see a bigger number but I think I, I I do think naturally people are going to struggle and when I say people I'm going to say like sharper money is going to struggle to push Baltimore out to a bigger favor if that makes sense yeah I, I without looking at any of my numbers I would think maybe it closes at three and a half like I don't think Cleveland gets a ton of money or maybe it's it's a highly juiced three for for Baltimore so I'm thinking higher personally where it closes or where it opens I'm thinking closings for for whatever reason in this game I'm thinking close okay so fair enough I don't think it will ever get down that low I don't think it can I think at that point like Baltimore immediately gets bought at that number no no matter what um like very difficult because because we're, we're weighing so many things right Jadavian Clowney's out Denzel Ward is out we have no idea if they're going to be back next week but there's some upside for the Browns if they are back they did lose Wyatt Teller on the offensive line today I thought for a period of the game I haven't heard anything about that yet but like to me Baltimore minus six just feels like the right number and I think money would come in on Cleveland but it wouldn't surprise me if people are just done with the Browns at this point and they're like no like they're not getting my money that that's kind of what I'm, I'm struggling with I mean I, I did not expect them to show up as poorly as they did today not that there's some sort of offensive juggernaut and you know Belichick knows how to game plan around a solid running game. I get that, but I did expect to see more. But again, I need to, I, maybe I need to watch more of this game. I think um, Cleveland has slowly, like I don't want to even say slowly. The entire year, to me, they've they've. I would classify them as an over team, quote unquote. Obviously, that depends on them what the number is in the game, but they cannot stop anything defensively. And even in games where their offense struggles, their defense gives up way more than they should versus like expectation. And there are games where their offense looks good. So. Um, I'm sending out as a bookmaker minus six forty seven. I don't know where the total is going to move. I think maybe somebody talks themselves into the Browns if um, if there's some upside in Clowney or Denzel Ward coming back on defense. Yeah, I could I could see this game being forty seven, forty seven and a half. If it's a forty seven, I would think the over gets bet. 
but maybe I'm wrong on the Browns. I mean, I'm looking through some of their last few games. They probably should have beat the Chargers. And oh, they should have beat the Falcons the week before as well. Yep. And, you and, know, ha- the, and like maybe the Patriots are actually good again. Yeah. Like maybe their defense is that good with. Yeah. Somehow, somehow Belichick does it again, I guess. But I mean, they're putting up 400 something yards a game. I wouldn't expect the Ravens to to be a team that stops them. So over. So so here's the here's the only issue I have with the game. Right? Is the Browns can't stop the run. Everybody's always going to want to run on the Browns, and you're going to get a lot of Ravens running. I think in this game. And the, the big thing for me, especially with the Ravens, their offense is so different if they have Rashad Bateman versus if very. he's very. Very much because so. they don't have a, the depth at receiver that other teams have, and it's like that is such a huge X factor for me for Baltimore is whether or not he's in the lineup, and if he is, I would strongly consider the over in this game if I sent out a forty-seven. But uh, with him out, completely different offense. I think we saw that again today. That's fair. Okay, we got a bunch more games to do. We'll try to get through them as quickly as we can here. Tampa Bay at Carolina. Oh my, Carolina is just like. They're not even a real NFL team in my mind. Three points today, offensively. Yeah, they scored a defensive touchdown um, on a pick six. Still couldn't cover a double-digit spread. The Bucks' offense, as I mentioned off the top, is trash. But in my opinion, there's no way this is this is way this is above seven for sure. Might be double digits. It might it might be Bucks double digits on the road. Like the Bucks were laying. What were the Bucks laying to the the Steelers today? Nine and a half. Would that close at ten? Nine, nine and a half or nine 10? and a half. Not I, okay, so it's got to be in the same range. I know you downgrade the Bucks, but Carolina's worse than Pittsburgh. And they're on, but depending how hurt PJ Walker is, they said it wasn't a concussion. They said it was neck, right? So, yeah. uh, how highly do you do you grade the Panthers' offense with Eason? I mean, is is he the same? Like probably for the most part, maybe a, a little less. When I watched him throw that interception in the end zone, I just said to myself, there's no way this is actually happening right now. Like we, you actually have to consider the fact that Jacob Eason is the fifth quarterback on Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like they have Darnold on IR. They have Matt Corral on IR. They have Baker Mayfield out, PJ Walker. This is their fifth quarterback option. That's how bad it is. So this, in my opinion, is Tampa minus 10. I don't know who is betting Carolina. So I'd say only Tampa money or or nothing. And the total in the upper 30s, 39 and a half. Yeah, I was going to say 10 and a half and I was going to say 40. Okay. We're on the same page. I don't want to spend more time on this game. Please don't make me, Clive. Please don't. We can move on. Okay. I don't really want to spend much time on this game either, sadly. Uh, Green Bay Packers go on the road to take on the Washington Commanders. Do we have a status update on Carson Wentz? I haven't seen one. Because I'm convinced that Taylor Heineke is an upgrade. Am I nuts? Tell me I'm nuts. No, because I wanted to see him this Thursday. Um, So, no, not nuts. I'm trying to... Maybe, maybe it's just like short-term memory because I do remember cursing Heineke like a little bit last year, but once blows. I don't know how else I can put it. The dude just blows. Well, let's... Was any Commander fan excited about getting Wentz when you had Heineke? Like, what... How much better did you think Wentz was, if anything? Like, honestly, anybody? Like, are there any Commander fans in the chat? Uh, so, I don't... At worst, he's not a downgrade. I could say that. I don't. I don't think he'd be viewed as a downgrade. And I'd rather have him. He's a, a lot more steady player, and maybe Wentz has a little bit more upside, but he sure hasn't yeah. shown it. Um, the market has downgraded Green Bay a lot, in term, especially their offense. Um, this is a tough one. 
I feel like four and a half Green Bay seems right with another very low total. I can't believe that a Green Bay total, like I'm about to say this, I think this total should be 41. If you had told me at the beginning of the year, Rob, week seven, you're going to make a total of 41 in a Packers game with Aaron Rodgers healthy. I would say you're nuts, but I think that this has to be very low. That's not to say I like the under necessarily, but what we've seen from the Packers offense, I don't know how you can post it higher than that. No, and as I'm thinking through it, like if this was opening week based on priors and stuff like that, what would I open this total at? I don't know if I would open it at 47, but that's kind of the number. That's how different like I I think we're at in this game versus – um, you know, where we're at now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number that popped out to me for a total was 42 and a half, but that might be even just, you know, a little bit on reputation and not really on, on what the number should be. And that's n- not really a good thing. Um, it's more than just Wentz for the Washington, right? Like they're missing Wes Schweitzer. I'm pretty sure he's out for the year. Sam Cosme, the right tackle is out. Jahan Dotson is out. Logan Thomas was out. Like they just don't have enough on offense you know, Green Bay is susceptible to the run. That's how teams are going to attack them. That lends itself to unders, generally speaking, because it's run, run, run. I don't think teams are going to successfully throw on Green Bay a whole lot. And the Packers offense just doesn't have the downfield ability. I think it has to be a low total. Yeah. I mean, 42 and a half, I think is still too high. I would bet without looking at much, I would bet the under there. They don't have enough weapons in Washington. Like I'm looking through who's still left and it's Curtis Samuel and and Terry McLaurin. Yeah, but they, they they can't even get the ball to the, like McLaurin. It's McLaurin's like he's a ghost out there yeah. almost. So I, I I like Randy put he makes brings up this in the chat. I might bet Washington if Heineke plays. I kind of feel like I'm in the same boat. I feel like I'm going to be chatting with my betting partners next week, and I'm going to be making the case for Washington, and they're going to like hang up on our Zoom call. It's going to be like, no, Rob, we need to stop you right now. We won on Washington last week. We got lucky. Let's just let's just let it be. But I, I do feel like there's maybe a hidden hidden upgrade there. I don't know. Maybe I'm nuts. No, uh, I mean the Packers have been exposed for the run game too. Um, so I, I don't know how much you think that Washington can move the ball there. Uh, I don't know. I still think that the market's going to open higher. I think it'll maybe open at five and a half or six. It shouldn't, but I think mm-hmm. it will. And then I think it's going to, they're going to get Washington money and maybe it settles around what you're saying at four and a half or four. You might be right about that. Maybe just the Packers open that high on reputation. Uh, I kind of feel like that was the number this week too against the Jets. Like it was one of those games where if you were to just evaluate the Packers and Jets this year without knowing what they had done in previous years, I don't think you would get anywhere close to a seven and a half number today. Uh, but you got it. Reputation number. I wonder how much longer the Packers still get reputation numbers. Not a, not a game I'm looking forward to watching either. No. Jets, Broncos, we're going to skip that because the Broncos play on Monday Night Football. Uh, two teams coming off of a bye week. The Houston Texans travel to Las Vegas to battle the Raiders. So the Raiders have been a team that I've struggled to uh, kind of pinpoint. I thought the line against the Chiefs was right at seven for the most part. I think seven and a half, the Raiders were bet. And I think at seven, it was nothing. That being said, the Raiders did play a little bit better than I expected. Um I don't know enough that I would upgrade them in my rankings all that much, but I'm pretty down on Houston as a whole. Like, I I don't have a good feel for where this would open. Obviously, it's Raiders' favorite, and it's probably somewhere between four and six, I think. Ooh, I was going to go much higher than that. Really? Yeah. 
That's I, I, I really I, like. I I don't have a good feel for the Raiders, so I mean, I I can't put out a good number. I'll I'll let you start this. Okay, so I was gonna go minus seven plus one hundred on Raiders. I, I so I could be wrong, but I think Houston is bad. And the last time Houston played, even though they won. What was that spread against Jacksonville? That was a touchdown, right? Or seven and a half. So like to me, that's kind of where it's got to go. That one closed at a week seven most places. Okay, so that's my number that I'm sending out personally. I don't know. So what I'm like, and I feel very confident in that, by the way. Like if I had to give a confidence rating on what I think this spread will be in this game, I would say six and a half or seven. But like six and a half juiced heavily to the home team or seven juiced heavily to the road team. What I do not, what I do not feel confident in, and I would give a zero rating, is applying a total to this game because to me the Raiders are going to be a dead nut over team going forwards, and Houston is an under team in my eyes. So I always, we've talked about this before, but I always find it challenging when you get like teams that are on the opposite ends of the spectrum, and I think the Raiders' offense is going to be much better with Hunter Renfro back. So I will defer to you on the total. So that I feel a little better about. I I think it's maybe like 44 and a half. Okay. So I think that's a good number because when you said it, I did not immediately think, oh, I would bet the over or I bet the under. Yeah. I I think 44 and a half is maybe the right number. I I think I'm probably more likely to consider the over without looking at too much so far, but that's where I'm at. Okay. We move on. Um, Well, yes. Good game here. Kansas City at San Francisco. Okay, so I have to point out for those who might just forward ahead to the guess the lines part of the show, San Fran did lose another defensive back, Charvarius Ward, this week. They also lost their right tackle, Mike McGlinchey. So Trent Williams is hurt, Mike McGlinchey is hurt. So that's that would be possibly no left tackle, no right tackle for San Fran. Possibly Charvarius Ward, another injury in the secondary. Maybe they do get Nick Bosa back though, which would be big for them. Kansas City had a had corpses in their secondary today. Uh, Rashad Fenton was hurt. Uh, Trent McDuffie did not get activated from IR. Um, So those need to be mentioned. What I was going to say is, I mean, what do you think the Bills' expected points were? Like they scored 24, but what do you you think the value of what they played to today was? More like 31? Okay, so... 34? High level. They had 26 first downs, did the Bills. They only scored a touchdown on two of their four trips into the red zone. 6.2 yards per play. Series conversion rate of 81.2, which is very high. Anything above 80 is very good. EPA per play, 0.14, solid. Success rate, 49. Um, I would say probably something like 27, if I had to guess. Okay. I mean, the 49ers are definitely going to get downgraded for sure, even... Not not even considering the injuries as much. I, th- I think that's going to be kind of rough. So I, I am going to look at the look-ahead line in this game. It's a little bit of cheating, but I do want to gain some perspective as to if this game was played this week, roughly what it would have been. And the look-ahead is one and a half. KC minus one and a half. 49ers get downgraded, so we go KC three. Yeah, and I think they take money at three, I think. Super Bowl rematch from a few years ago. You're going to go with the revenge factor. For the 49ers? I thought about that. Like, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Like, who's going to save Revenge Factor? <laughs> oh, God. I, I would... I'd be betting Casey at, at three, I think. So, yeah. Uh, wow. I think I would, too. I think the market would, too. I I don't know. But I feel like San Fran got faded so hard today that that continues into next week. Like, if, if you're someone who bet... At, like, the, the way the market moved on, 
on the Atlanta San Fran game was all to do with San Fran injuries. Yes. I think. I would say 80% of it, 85 probably even was that, and maybe a, a hair that the Falcons are undervalued. I think it's mostly injuries though. I think there's a decent chance people would say after that game that maybe they even underaccounted for the injuries from San Fran based off of the final score. Then on top of that, they suffered more injuries. So I don't know that there's going to be any interest in the 49ers this week. So personally, I, I would probably o- open a very juiced two and a half or a three. I'd say a three. I think the total, it's a Chiefs game. The 49ers, like, I cannot believe that game stayed under the total today. It's, I'm going to, like, I'll, I'll just never, I'll never forget that one. But it's like ought to be in the high 40s, no? For the Chiefs and with the injuries. On these so, teams? So of all the games that we've talked about so far, I think I'd have this the highest total. Um, we, I think the highest total we pegged on a game so far was Browns-Ravens at 47, I think we said. Or 47 and a half. Yeah, something like that. I think this will probably be a little bit higher than that. So maybe 48 and a half. 48. So do I. But here's the thing. And what I've learned, and I've, I've known this about the 49ers forever. They play so freaking slow. It is so hard to watch them after they get out of the scripted drive at the beginning of the game or the first two scripted drives or whatever 10 plays whatever they're scripting nowadays it's so slow i like if you gave me what did you say 48 and a half yeah i would think about under but the injuries are too much no you're right I, i i like your number i like your number and i think with the injuries i think that's why kansas city probably opens i so i agree with your opener i think it's gonna bet three and maybe to the point it won't get to th- a full three and a half. But if we ended at three and a half plus 100, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm having a lot of trouble with this total. For those listening, I have zero confidence in uh, in this total as well as the previous one we did, Raiders-Texans. Um, Seahawks-Chargers will skip right over. Steelers at the Dolphins. Okay, well, this is extremely challenging because we don't know who the quarterback of either team is going to be. I'm assuming Tua is going to be back for Miami, though. I think they made it not clear, but I think they were leading people to believe that that was what was going to happen, that he was headwise healthy enough to play this week. He just didn't, and they wanted to yes. give him another week. So that's how I perceive it. So I do think he's going to be starting there. I didn't see what happened to Pickett, and I don't like Mitch Trubisky. Pickett's got a concussion. He got drilled on one play. And I actually think that there is a pretty sizable difference between those two quarterbacks. Like Pickett, I encourage people who have not watched a full Kenny Pickett game yet. I know that they only scored 20 points today. I know they only scored three against the Bills. I am already a Kenny Pickett truther. I'm going to tell you right now. The guy stands in the pocket and makes throws. He will take a hit to make a play. He, You would not know he's a rookie quarterback in my opinion, if the broadcast was not telling you that. Um, So I think there's a difference between Pickett and Trubisky. It's going to be tough. I think let's assume because of the way that concussions are happening in the NFL nowadays, that this is going to be a Tua Trubisky game. Okay. At that point. So I have to go back to like my earlier ratings of Pittsburgh here or market ratings of Pittsburgh, which were like, I don't know, four points below league average, but now they have all these injuries on defense. So maybe five points below league average and Miami's what with Tua roughly league, just above league average. I don't know. I'm going to have a challenge with this game as well. I think so. I'm, I'm trying to put a range on it to start. And I, I think it opens more than a full seven. So I'm thinking between seven and a half and eight and a half for an open. But I feel like that's an overreaction to just what we've seen so far. But 
at seven and a half, I think I still bet the Dolphins. So there was zero interest in Pittsburgh today from the market. One-way action towards the Bucks. That was Pittsburgh injuries on defense, for sure. That contributed to that. Don't know if they're going to get anyone back next week. Let's just assume, considering most of these guys were did not practice for the full week, and there's, I believe, two hamstring injuries and a concussion. I don't remember who has the concussion, maybe a Akella Witherspoon. But I don't think they're going to get a lot of reinforcements next week. But the Steelers have traditionally gotten bet when they're in these big underdog roles. Yeah, we talked about that last week too. And I was surprised there was absolutely no late money on them. I think people might regret that they didn't catch them right at the at the peak, which was closer to post. I'm going to say something like seven and a half. Miami seven and a half total. Wow, that's a tough one too because it's tr- if we go with Trubisky, it's going to change the total drastically. Um, I don't know. Total forty four. I was going to say forty three and a half. Um, okay. Now I I do think that there will be money on the over if at our numbers because of the state of Pittsburgh's defense. So at forty three, what is that? Uh, twenty five, twenty six, twenty would be six. That's forty six. Mm. You might be right. I think it does yep. get better over. And at seven and a half, as much as I don't like like Trubisky, I think the Steelers would draw money at seven and a half. I think it would be more likely to go towards the Steelers than the Dolphins. I don't uh, know. I, I sadly think that you're right. I don't know that that's what should happen, but I do think that's what will happen. All right. That's Sunday night football, by the way. Buckle up. We'll be watching the second half of that bad boy next week while we're doing forward progress. You want to start earlier? <laughs> All right, Monday Night Football, the doozy we were waiting for. New England Patriots hosting the Chicago Bears. So... So can anyone possibly bet on the Bears? Like, what's the number you would need to bet on the Bears? Because I don't know what that is for me. Is there... What number would you be excited? Start there. Like, at seven and a half, would you be like, yes, Bears? No, but I also wouldn't be excited about laying seven and a half with the Patriots. So I I, I get that. Um I wouldn't be surprised if the market, if the Patriots deserve to be upgraded, which I'm not sure that they do, if they deserve to be upgraded, it's not going to show up in the open. It's going to show up, I think, how they draw money, mm-hmm. if they draw sharp money. So if it opened at six and a half, I think you'd get Patriot money right away. So it, where do you have New England rated relative to Minnesota? Because we saw this game last week, right? We saw Minnesota, what was it? Minus seven at home to Chicago. So I mean, that's where I find it challenging, right? That ends up pushing, by the way, a game where I believe that Minnesota probably should have won by a few touchdowns, looking at the box score metrics of that game. Chicago now loses at home in prime time to a terrible Washington team. You can argue Chicago got unlucky in that game and probably deserved to win. But where does the market see New England relative to Minnesota? Because I think the market sees Minnesota as better. Yeah, so I I think maybe half. Yeah, so as much as it's like intuitively, I think I do not want to bet the Bears in this game unless you give me 10 points, maybe 10 and a half. That's what I'm thinking out loud here. But from a pure market perspective, I think the number is just like Patriots minus seven and a half. I I think that's where it it ends up. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's seven and a half even money. Maybe not. And this is the lowest total on the board. I will be, this is, I put my, I put the stamp right here that this is the lowest total. The Pizzola stamp, this cannot be 40s. No. Like this is 30s. Possibility of shitty weather in New England. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be for the Patriots, but I think you're probably right that they maybe go zappy one more time. Even though, uh, you know, did Jones dress today? No, I don't think so. I think they put him, 
he went through run through practice or something like that. But then before the game, they just made him inactive. Right. So they went with Garrett Gilbert as the backup then because Hoyer's on IR. Okay, fair enough. So I don't know what third, what, what did, what did the Bears commanders total close at 38? That was 30. windy in Chicago. Okay. I'll say 30. like 39 for this game. Yep. I'm, I'm right at that number. I'm, okay. And it's, in t- so that number came back by the way, the, the, the Bears commanders. So I don't know where all that late money came from to bring it up from 37, 37 and a half back up to 38 and a half to 39. Cause that's where it closed at. So I, I don't know where that came from, but I think someone, at 39, this might go down a hair. Someone asked me for over that night, uh, about an hour before kick. I can't remember who it was. I wish I remembered who it was. And I actually somewhat, I, I did not want to take the under, let's put it that way, at that num- at the number at that time. So they just probably bet it in market. All right. I think that's it. Shorter card next week. Um not a lot of games to look forward to. Not a lot of marquee matchups. We had at least the Cowboys-Eagles this week and the Bills-Chiefs. Like That was something to look forward to. Next week, what do we really have? I did say we'll come back to the Cowboys game because we skipped over it. The Cowboys are hosting the Lions. The Lions are coming back off a of bye week. Um, I, don't, I don't really know that I can put a number on this game because I don't know if Dak's going to play. I don't know who's returning for Detroit because Detroit had... DeAndre Swift and DJ Chark out. Going into the bye, they had Charles Harris out. Uh, Will Harris got hurt. Savion Smith got hurt. Deshaun Elliott got hurt. Um, I don't know. I was thinking Dallas six and a half, as is like what the market probably thinks, and that's with Cooper Rush still playing. That's what I kind of have in mind. I think maybe that's a little high, but like only marginally. Like I was thinking six maybe. High total though. High total. I, I don't know how to perceive the total with this... The dichotomy, right? Like Detroit, even though they didn't score versus the Patriots much, their defense is still terrible to the point where I think the Cowboys should be able to put up 24, 27, somewhere in that range relatively easily. Um, Not easily, but I I think 27 is probably the median. Yeah. So if that's the case, 47. Yep. That's That's a good guess. Yeah. 47, 48, 47 and a half, like in that range. All right. I'm I'm always interested, by the way, you're hilarious for one, because you send me messages like on Monday saying, oh, we were really close on this or we were way off on that or you were right on this and I was right on this. Um, Tuesday is when like I actually get to see like the full picture, sometimes late Monday night where I get to see the full picture before um, I jump on with Eric Eager. But um, I feel very good in the sides numbers this week that we projected, but the totals, I don't know. Yeah, I got to start keeping track of what we say here too. Like somehow, like at least just writing down the ones that we have pretty good confidence in versus the ones where we're not exactly sure at all. And, you know, you brought up a really good point earlier on Pizza Buffet that I hope people heard and listened to is that if you're betting on Sunday afternoon at or Sunday morning at 11 a.m., like chances are you're not a winning better in the NFL. So I'm not saying to take what we're saying as gospel at all, but think about it and think about your bets as early as possible so you can get them in Monday and Tuesday unless you have bigger fills like you have to deal with and get the best number you can. Yeah, I think uh, that's just a generally a good rule of thumb. Um, a lot of people, they don't like the uncertainty of like, oh, something could go wrong later in the week or an injury could pop up. But just remember that that injury could also work in your favor as much as it works against you. An injury might pop up for the team that you bet against. So uh, people need to keep that in mind for sure. Um, but do appreciate everyone who tuned in to the first ever live episode of Forward Progress here on the Hammer Betting Network. Please click that subscribe button on YouTube, on Twitch, 
Uh, for those who are listening to the replay on Monday, do appreciate it as well. Thank you for all the support. Myself and Clive will be back with you next Sunday to react to week seven games in the NFL and look ahead to week eight. This has been Forward Progress on the Hammer Betting Network. Peace out.